This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm a gentrified host who's losing it, Harvey. <laughs> and I hey, I think because of the, the unfortunately, we've been really busy lately. I think because of all the the scheduling problems that we've had and all the delayed episodes that we've been pushing out, <laughs> this, this actually feels like maybe the longest review series we've ever done in my life. <laughs> For real. Like, <laughs> and like, like I the, thought. I thought this was going to be really quick, like like a month-long project, and it feels like it's dragged on to like half the year. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like the first year that we did this show, we did like the nine months worth of Star Wars movies, and and this somehow still feels longer than that. For real. All right. So we are back. We are back uh, continuing this uh, series of movies that are take place in Oakland. Uh, you know, few a few weeks back, we did our episode on "Sorry to Bother You," which feels like a month ago now. <laughs> it might have um, actually be a month ago. Yeah, I and, promise uh, y'all, it's for good reason. Yeah. I'm finishing up my master's degree. Woo woo! And, and I just got a some, lot, a lot I've of major stuff together. Yeah, and I've had major work projects that have been like kind of getting in the way. So it's uh, it's just been the kind of the kind of few months that it's been. Hopefully by the summer we'll be midsummer we'll be back. Midsummer. Oh, oh is that some some what's it called? Potential foreshadowing? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> do, I, do I finally make Angel an Ari Oster fan? Probably not. No, probably not. I do love Ooh. hereditary, but I don't know if I can be I don't, I don't, well, we'll talk about it if and when we get to it then, I guess. Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to this week's movie. Uh, this is a 2018 movie called Blind Spotting. And uh, funny enough, this is a movie that, that, you know, much like Sorry to Bother You, it would be something that we wouldn't really think about as much. Like, it, just, it would just feel like a movie that was made years ago, um, except, um, you know, it, it's a movie that that has a spin-off series that is currently airing on stars right now that I'm a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. And I think that what the series does is just so fucking fantastic. And and I'll try not to get too into it. And, and I won't de- reveal any plot details or anything too many plot details from it or any, I won't get into spoiler territory. Um, but it's definitely, I think, because of the series that I'm watching right now, the fact that I get to revisit this movie for the first time since 2018, uh, I forgot a lot about what happened in this movie from the first time I watched it, so I'm glad I got to come back to it again and uh, live in the world of this movie. Um, so I, so this movie is, obviously, it, it's, it is spearheaded by uh David Diggs and Rafael Casal who are the you know starring duo in this uh movie. Uh it's directed by uh someone named Carlos Lopez Estrada who is a I guess a Mexican-American filmmaker um 
I don't know how many films he's actually done. I haven't really looked through his um, filmography. But uh, apparently he's been a director for um he's been a director in th- or he's directed three movies, surprisingly which one of which being Raya and the Last Dragon. So he's worked on some like Disney projects. Okay. Um yeah, he did blind spotting and then he was a uh, he was credited for creative leadership in Frozen 2. Uh, he was a director slash writer for Ryan the Last Dragon, uh, and he did a lot of he did uh TV stuff. Okay, specifically so I, I, I a TV take, show I used to love called Legion. I won't take away any of his uh any of his accolades from this movie, but I think because again I have been watching the series Blind Spotting, um this movie along with the series that follows it is the brainchild of David Diggs and Rafael Casal. So um, I don't mean to like, you know, forget about the director who's creating it. And it's why I wanted to mention him now. But the film, the the, the world that's created is really created by the stars of the movie, which is. I mean, they're the writers, kind of, right? Like Rafael Casal is like a local kid, like yeah. grew up out in Berkeley, graduated from Berkeley High. Yeah, both of them are from West Oakland. And a lot of in the movie and the series take place specifically in West Oakland, mm. uh, which is so it's like I, I kind of like that we're. You know, different directors are going to focus in different places <laughs> because mm-hmm. because in a couple in a few weeks from now, uh, when we do get to Eastside Sushi, Eastside Sushi is actually going to focus more on people who are from East Oakland. So, yeah, I can't and, wait. And, dis- and despite the fact that it's a small city, it's you know there there are it is different. Different parts of the city are are different. And, and be I, ready for that one in three months, y'all. I feel like West Oakland is kind of more it is more of those like kind of Victorian homes like it it's like that kind of architecture I feel mm-hmm. like I associate it more with the west side of Oakland I could well be off and if I am please insult me on Instagram but <laughs> no I'm sure there I mean I'm sure there is something to that right because it was like that's like Closer to that side of San Francisco where there is a lot of that type of architecture as well. Um, and then you know, as you expand more into like the east, going into the South Bay and stuff like that, it does feel a little bit more like there is still that style of architecture, and you can definitely find it. But by that point, you start seeing houses kind of like expand more, have bigger yards, have maybe a little bit more square footage. It feels like it feels like the more South Bay you go, Oakland kind of goes out as opposed to up, yep. you know, which was a very common, like, architectural trend when you're building a city in, like, the early 1900s, yeah. <laughs> where you're just trying to make people fit and live on top of each other. Uh, specifically, Divi Diggs, um, I think it, it rose to prominence a lot because of his association with uh, Lynn uh, Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. and and his association with the play uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. And Hamilton is also where um, Jasmine Cephas Jones comes from, who is in this movie as well. And she plays Ashley, the uh, girlfriend of... Um, I already forgot Raphael Casal's character, <laughs> Miles. She, Miles. She plays yeah. Miles' girlfriend uh, in this, and funny enough, the Star series actually revolves completely around her. So she goes from being a side peripheral. So it's funny because like I'm used to her being the main character because I've been watching the spinoff more recently than the movie. 
So mm-hmm. to see her, to see come back and, and just kind of see her be the side character in this is, it's a little jarring. And I'm just very glad that, you know, for, hey, I'm going to tell a lot of people, go watch that show. It's a really great show. <laughs> and uh, I, I, and I think um, specifically Jasmine Cephas Jones is, is one of the reasons she's fantastic in that series. Buffy um, Diggs was in a uh, short film called Yoga Boner. <laughs> Sorry, I like I'm going through a deep dive of his like filmography and that just I felt like that needed to be said. Um all right, let's go ahead and get into this, I guess. Uh this, I guess it's good that we spent some time talking about David Diggs specifically because even though he and Casal like you know are the creators of this together, uh David Diggs is the star of this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um so his his character is named uh Colin Hoskins. <clears throat> and this uh he i guess is uh you know several months out of prison and he's like you know finishing off the last few days of his probation well 11 Uh, months right like he's a year on probation or something like that and And he's like finishing up his time at a at a uh halfway house Mm -hmm. which for those of you that aren't familiar that's kind of like transitional housing for people uh leaving jail People that have usually served time, but then, you know, get off and are on probation or something. If he can't find housing or reliable housing, sometimes, you know, sometimes when the criminal justice system does its job, it's able to hook you up with housing somewhere with uh through, like, county services and something. So he's living in, like, shared housing where as soon as he's done, like, if he's done on a Sunday, that Monday, there's supposed to be a new guy taking his old his old apartment. Um, and yeah, these, these digs are never really fun. They're not, they're not really a great place to live. You're usually being checked up on by people. There's always people, um, kind of staying on the weekends, making sure you make curfew, making sure you're, uh, participating. This series does a good job of, of, of making you, of giving you, of rightfully giving you the impression that uh, in many cases it feels like you're still locked up oh absolutely (laughs) you're still you're still being forced to uh be accountable to to some other authority um until your probation is over yeah because essentially at this point colin is like one shitty right up away from his like from like the manager to be sent back to jail if anything happens you know if the guy really wanted to uh, funny, the funny, I, I do like the, okay, so when this movie first came out in 2018, I was interested in it, and if you ever watch the trailer for it, the trailer makes you think that you're going to watch a very ultra-serious film, and the show is, it, it leans more into the comedy, but does so without, like, becoming, like, too much of a parody of itself, but I I really forgot how funny this movie was in certain parts, and yeah, I this do... movie's pretty hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the opening scene where they're uh, sitting in 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 their friend's car, and uh, <laughs> and Miles, who's in the front seat, Collins in the back, and their pals. Uh, I think what's his name? Uh, Des. Yeah, it's Des. Doesn't yeah. you find out Des is an Uber driver? <laughs> yeah, he, he. They're apparently in an Uber. It's like a really like just souped up car with like LED lights inside. And uh, it starts off with Miles eating like a cheeseburger from uh, a place that was kind of like a local landmark in Oakland. I can't even remember the name of it now. Um, but it's like, a, I guess the, what the purpose of this is, 
is you know it, it's, it's kind of showing like the changing dynamics of the neighborhood right because this is a place that they used to eat at all the time and miles mm-hmm. is wondering why the cheeseburger is off and it doesn't taste the way like it normally tastes and that's because he later finds out that it's like a vegan you know like impossible patty kind of like burger it's uh <laughs> it's called the quick like... way yeah quick way there we go yeah um, which is which is pretty popular. Like I think there was like a there there was even like a quick way kind of like stand in uh, when we did. Sorry to bother you last time. So it's funny uh, because the quick way they're outside of in the show is not even in Oakland. It's actually no, in Richmond. <laughs> it's literally the same place that we talked about. Uh, from sorry to bother you. Like it is it is a place that's now like a taco shop. <laughs> so if you go to the place in Richmond, it's it's obviously you know they made it a quick way for the movie, but. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's so like I've been there. Like, there's a bar two places down that I'm yeah. frequent all the time. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a different place. Even even the place where the quick ways in this movie is part of a neighborhood that's ever changing. I guess I know um, that's funny. And the, but the funny part is, I guess Miles starts finding guns all over the car, <laughs> and next thing you know, you find out that there's like seven guns inside that car. <laughs> I texted you. I was like, "Why are there seven guns in this vehicle?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, of course, like Colin being frustrated by this, completely understandable. If he gets caught with any sort of weapons, illegal or not, which he's an ex-con, he shouldn't have any firearms on him but he's just like furious um and at this point uh i think miles ends up buying one of them from des for like 200 bucks right yeah he ends up buying the gun because he figures he might as well use it for protection uh colin wants nothing to do with those guns i think the funniest part was that because he is holding one of them miles says hey look at your gun he goes it's not my gun it's not my gun guys it's not my gun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, <laughs> and obviously it's like it is funny it is played for laughs in this but clearly of course you know the reason why he's panicked by all this is because hey he's, he's very close to getting himself in trouble at any moment mm-hmm. and uh when des kicks him out because he has to go do his uber job <laughs> they end up walking to their moving truck to where you find out that you know they're both uh they both work as part of a moving company you guys have pretty much been lifelong friends um and uh yeah so they they work together and you you know you find out pretty quickly that miles is you know one of the people who who uh who colin you know can depend on like it is someone who's been there for him his entire life and Mm -hmm. another dynamic that you do find out throughout the film as well is and it gets pointed out specifically is that miles might also be part of the reason why you know trouble follows them around as well but Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, Miles gets dropped off his home. You, we go to the next day, Colin goes and picks him up in the morning. They get picked up at, uh, at, at his house. And I think before they end up going to their moving company job, they stop by a convenience store that's right by Miles, uh, apartment building. <laughs> and in this convenience shop, they, you know, uh, he goes, Miles goes to get like loose cigarettes and Colin ends up, you know, looking at different things and he sees like a fridge that's right there, obviously probably brand new. And in there are these kale smoothies that are $10. Ugh, I hate <laughs> it. Dude, I've been to that. Like there's plenty of like juiceries around where I live <laughs> where like, you, will find, you will find these like 
ten dollar like juices. This like, reminds me when uh when you're still living in you know when you're still in the hood and you're still living here back home. And uh, but you started like shopping at like Whole Foods or not Whole Foods, uh, Trader Joe's, and you like got wheat cereal or you got like some protein cereal and I was hella hungry. And you're like, I got cereal if you want to eat that. (laughs) (laughs) And I ate it, and it must be the first time I had fiber in like months because it like cleared my stomach. Out. And I was like, I'm never eating your healthy toxic poop machine ever again. <laughs> like, I love I... that you just reminded me of that because I absolutely forgot about that. That <laughs> like I relate to Miles. Like, like there's so many parts mm-hmm. where like Miles and Colin are like talking shit, and I'm like, this was me and Angel ten years ago <laughs> when, when Angel's trying to get out of the hood. And I keep telling him that he's a sellout. <laughs> hey, you know it is. It is. It is. Yeah, it's. I mean, Colin isn't out of the hood but yeah clearly the idea is you're trying to make different life choices right you're trying to make different life choices and it like conflicts conflicts with what you used to do yeah because um, i remember like i took it i took it as an affront when you started drinking like healthy juices (laughs) i was like that's the angel i know (laughs) so there was a lot of times in this movie i'm like i remember when we were younger and i was i was essentially miles (laughs) i do love the like the fact that they're both completely indignant about the fact that it's ten dollars and then colin instantly just says all right i'm gonna buy it (laughs) i know he still pays for it he's the best part is that it just becomes like a runner like they continue like he'll continue drinking those like every day that he's there and you Uh, kind of wonder why he's doing that like it seems like he clearly is trying to do something to make himself appear like he's making healthier choices and uh mm -hmm. you find out pretty quickly that the reason why that maybe the reason why is uh at the moving company uh the woman who works at the front desk is uh you know val she is the ex-girlfriend of colin Mm -hmm. and she's played by janina uh gosh i think her uh Mm-hmm. and who like you know i've seen in tons of stuff by now but <laughs> i think if you're like a fan of the league like i just remember her like in the league like <laughs> the fact that she had to be like the adult version of this girl that all the creepy men were like pining for in the series <laughs> no that's her yeah that's her what mm. Yeah, know, it's, there, it's been, there she it's, is. It's been, ten, it's been 10 years since we watched the league, I know. but 2009 to 2015, there she is, Shiva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's how I know her the most. And it's funny because obviously, like, you know, being someone who's watched the series, I, the one character you don't really, like, ever hear from again is, like, Val. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll get into that when we get to the end of this. But they have a bit of a strained relationship. Miles clearly is not... <laughs> does not like her uh and and he's against the fact of you know he's against like colin and her like trying to reconcile things <laughs> well like he blames her for colin trying like trying to make these life changes that make him not down anymore but also like miles and i understand this one is like he he was mad that after whatever happened that put colin in jail um it seemed like val did like 
you know, for some reason or another, which, uh, you know, understanding it's complex. It's a complex yeah. situation. It's but a the complex point is, movie because I think like, we're talking about a lot of the gags of it, too. But I completely forgot to mention, I think because I thought it was the next night. Mm-hmm. But I completely forgot to mention that the same night after, uh, you know, after uh, Colin drops Miles off at his home on his way back to the halfway house. That's when he like, you know, is in the middle of the in the middle of the road. Is that the shooting? Yeah. He's in the oh, middle. yeah. He's well, I mean, stoplight, we'll... And then there's like a, a, you know, a black character. No, yeah, let's get back to that in a little bit. Because that definitely mm-hmm. is like a crux of the movie. But yeah, yeah just what I, I wanted to mention because uh, I thought that was this night too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like Miles, you know, Miles is mad at Val because Val stopped or she wouldn't go visit him. Um, Colin while he was in prison, and like he takes it really personal for Colin. Um, because but Colin also understands why Val didn't do it, and yeah, I think like you said, this is one good thing about the writing in this movie is it's very complex these are not one-dimensional characters and it's un like everything they do or don't do is completely understandable yeah. um from like a per you know an outsider or an audience member's perspective but yeah like you were saying kind of rewinding the a bit on the film um the night uh the night of the quick wake the guys are uh making their way back home Colin drops off um Colin drops off Miles and he's at a yeah he's like at an intersection just kind of waiting for his light trying to beat the clock so he can get back to to the halfway house on time and you know he I forget if he like starts driving and almost hits the guy or if the guy like slams against his truck while running Mm -hmm. but he makes eye contact with this uh, black man that's running away um from something we don't know what and as he rounds around um colin's truck we hear sirens getting louder and louder and we see a police officer uh come around the corner and around uh colin's truck as well and in this really interesting shot i really like the way they filmed it um they have like the officer center screen but then you're looking through it kind of through Colin's perspective. So mm-hmm. you can, you're seeing what's going on and behind him uh, through the side of you mirror. And you just see the officer unload like three rounds. Mm-hmm. And in the side of you mirror, you see the guy that was running away from him, just like topple over and hit the ground. Yeah. Um, like, officer played by Ethan Embry, who like, you know, and people might not remember him from a touch, from, from like a ton but like in the 90s he was in empire records and mm. most famously he's like the main character he's like the nerdy kid from can't hardly wait who's like pining after jennifer love hewitt in that movie oh yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah yeah like it is it's it's so many years later and he's like just looks so different and <laughs> much older and haggard i think like mm-hmm. as as are all of us but <laughs> no no but absolutely it, it, it's why like i i it took me a while to recognize him uh in this movie so <clears throat> um yeah like that's the thing that happens the night before and and um when Colin is uh, at the desk with with Val, he's basically telling her what happened, mm-hmm. and uh, she's asking him if he's okay. And I feel like a lot of people are asking him if he's all right, but obviously he's like, you can tell that he he is having trouble processing, you know, mm-hmm. what may have happened. So, and he's also kind of debating what he should do, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
Because it's like also understandable. It's like, do you really, you know, well, what should you, what is the right thing to do? Like, right. You know, you and forward? I think that, and that was part of the the conversation that he and Miles are having at the at the convenience store. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, he saw it, and then he's like, well, "Why don't you say something?" And then he's like, "Well, he's like, what am I supposed to do?" He's like, "I was out, I'm out past curfew. <laughs> Would you like mm-hmm. me to go put myself back in jail?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, he is stuck in a place where where there's a bit of powerlessness um, from that. Um, and I what I kind of like what I like about this too is is this is also just like. I feel like this movie is kind of a hangout movie and then at the same mm-hmm. time like it's it's interesting it deals with the themes of police brutality you know it's a very serious theme it deals with the issues of like firearms which is pretty serious but then at the same time like it it has like these like like moments of levity too where it's like you get the the scene of um you know where they go visit uh, this character played by Wayne Knight who's who's I guess like a you know, they're, they're helping him move from his office he i guess you know is like a oakland native that has been there for many years and has now like you know sold wherever he worked at or is leaving his place of employment or whatever and they're just helping him move his things and he's like telling them you know hey this is a we're the last of something like just reminding them that that things are changing and then he he's the one who makes like colin and miles stand like face to face like and stare at each other mm-hmm. and they and, gotta like, say the, something about how they love each other yeah <laughs> which is which is great and, and, and that's kind of like that's the thing too that like i love about the series i think these the the series captures this same kind of like they deal with serious issues and then at the same time like they they deal with like they also just have like funny stuff like there's stuff that's legitimately funny in it and and that's what i completely forgot about with the movie was just the fact that it is really funny and you like hanging out with these guys and you do like between this and especially the series it's i love the world I love the Oakland that they've created that these guys have created. Like Mm -hmm. it it is a place that you love to live in. And I think the only place that like, it's one of those things where, you know, they talk about diversity in, in showrunners, creators and directors and stuff. And I think it reminds me of like, and I've never had the chance to talk about this on the show because obviously we've never reviewed this, but the HBO show insecure by Issa Rae, I think one of the things I loved about it is that it it does like a lot of the stuff in that show is the same kind of stuff that they do in Girls and Sex in the City. Like it is just like a show full of people talking in rooms and restaurants and stuff like that. But the fact that it like focuses on a neighborhood like Inglewood, like in like it, the way it focuses on like you know areas it's very of LA Friday. and Inglewood, but like but no, I mean like. It, well, it, I meant. I'm sorry. I meant. I'm. I meant blind spotting. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. You like can't the, read my the mind. Hangout, <laughs> the hangout aspect of it. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think like the cinematography and like how everything looks and just like the the it, it's it's the way it's filmed, photographed, and shot that it just like turns it into something glamorous. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's what I love about like a series like Insecure. And I think that this movie and the blind spotting series captures that as well. It's just it's putting like that really beautiful film lens mm-hmm. on places that don't get it very often. 
you know, yeah, and, and it's what true. we've talked about, right? With which is the point of this like series of movies that we wanted to do is that we've done lots of movies where they like film San Francisco, where they show you the ferry building and the waterfront and the Golden Gate Bridge. And like, let's you know, be real, San Francisco is very easy to film, it is a very beautiful city like well and specifically movies will focus on certain areas right like it'll mm-hmm. only focus on certain areas so the fact that yes we are now seeing other places you know it, it's that's that's the importance of of that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. um no i they, love like honestly some of my favorite parts in this movie is the hangout parts mm-hmm. like where like they'll go and like move stuff that wasn't supposed to be moved and then so then Miles has to flip it. So he's like selling shit to people on yeah. the street. And he goes they, they, where they go to uh, Colin's house, you know, um, and, and they find like the little boy who is like, who's like sitting in the living room. And they're like, who is this little boy? And and, and how like, and how absolutely like hurt Colin is uh, that like they're drinking out of his, out of his like, uh, I guess like it was like an art project that he did in school. Yeah. Where he made, like where, where he made a, a dinosaur mug, and I love that he like he's so upset and he just whispers "Mugosaurus." They drink it out of his Mugosaurus because he's like so upset that the kids drink it out of his cup. Mugosaurus. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And uh, it's yeah, it's, oh. it's fun. It, it's 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 jarring to me because uh, Colin's mother like. She is a character in the show, and the mm-hmm. house that they live in is in the show is different. Mm. <laughs> and in the series, like in the series, Colin's mom actually lives right next door to Miles's mom. So it's it's just it's it is there there are stuff where you see like that it is different. But I did appreciate that that the you know that the characters of like Ashley and uh, and and Colin's mother like they are the same characters and the same actors and there's going to be a lot of continuity between that and the series that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um they mentioned that colin has a sister that's you know uh abroad in bali uh who is a character in the series again i'm gonna keep mm-hmm. going back to that so uh yeah again it's just so much connectivity here uh but they talk about how you know she's lived in her house for very long she has no intention to sell and they go back to those kind of gentrification themes. I do think it's funny that she goes, I'm not going to move out of here now that there's finally good restaurants where I live. And th- <laughs> hey, that's part of it, man. Like, I mean, you know, when you live like in places and you start seeing some of the neighborhood change, you're like, hey, there's some there's some stuff here that hadn't been here before. And it is kind of mm-hmm. nice to have it. And I'll say this for people like, you know, us who have grown up in 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 areas of Oakland and Richmond, a lot of the places where we lived have been food deserts for Absolutely. decades you know and obviously like that is all part of systemic like racism or uh, still but, are like there's yeah, still fights still to try to get like <laughs> a decent goddamn grocery store down in the iron triangle you know yeah. like but it's like but it's just like just seeing that little bit of change it is the thing that's frustrating about gentrification is we're finally getting to see some of the things we've always wanted but it's very clearly being done with the intention of luring in other people who did not grow up here Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. I think some of this, like I think a lot of the stuff is where they get a little bit anti-hipster. I think it's I think it's more it's more of a sentiment that existed. I think in the mid fifteen, like the mid twenty tens, 
Like, mm-hmm. I really do think, like, 2013, 14, 15, like, it was more, oh, the hipsters. We're so sick of the hipsters. And then, like, as it's, like, continued going on, you're like, yeah, it's, like, it's it's everything. It's all the fucking tech well, workers. It, yeah, it's funny that like, you mentioned that. It's, like, I was just talking about that with a friend of the show, Eddie, that it feels like that hate for the hipsters we had got transferred to the tech workers or those hipsters became tech workers. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's... It's. I feel like it's. It's less of a focused target now. It's like we know gentrification in general is, is what has been displaced. Is the everyone. big problem? Yeah. yeah. It's not any one given community. It's the entire <laughs> like process of itself. Yeah. You know. Um. They. They. they this movie. It, it, it does like under the surface start to posit the themes. You know. Hey, because uh, Miles is white and Colin is black. And uh, and then the the movie does posit this start to posit the themes very uh, carefully about you know how race is going to play into it besides this besides the shooting incident, you know um, Nancy who is Colin's mom, <clears throat> she she tells Colin to give uh, Ashley you know the pamphlet on how to talk to your kids about you know being pulled over by police and stuff like that, and it's just funny how like it's one of those things that that she is like he gives it to Colin for Colin to give to Ashley mm-hmm. and you know it, it's it's like Miles is there but not there and mm-hmm. it's almost like one of those things where I think it's it's a really uh it's a really blatant way of putting it like you know the fact that he is going to be pretty unaware of you know the way the way everything he does is perceived because he is white despite the fact that again you are in the shared space like you know they're in a shared space they've grown up together they've been best friends forever but the experience that colin has is always going to be different than miles's and i think i do like how they kind of like like in a very obvious way have miles like be completely unaware of you know the stuff that his own son is going to have to go through mm-hmm. <laughs> um so from there we move into again it's just like a series another like couple of things where they're you know in the parking space you know uh where they're like uh i forget what their what move job they're there to do where they're waiting for someone to move from a parking space and the person who's coming out of a whole foods or or one of those like high-end grocery stores is absolutely not listening to them while miles is like honking the horn of the truck really loud and apparently miles is not allowed to to threatening to beat the dude's ass the entire time <laughs> and miles is apparently not allowed to get behind the wheel <laughs> of the truck but does and mm-hmm. of course it becomes one of those things that like continues to f- further drive the wedge between uh uh colin and and val um mm-hmm. and <laughs> i i completely forgot about this from the first time i watched this movie but when they leave like uh nancy's house uh miles asks if there's if he can take a bunch of flat irons like that they have there and yeah. if he can try to go sell them and then that's where we get the scene where where he goes to tisha can i forgot tisha campbell was in this movie he goes mm-hmm. to tisha campbell's uh, beauty shop and <laughs> tries to sell everyone these like old used flat irons <laughs> He sells them for like half of what they normally go for, or something like that, or that Tisha Campbell normally mm-hmm. pays for. So she has to prove they work. They end up giving Colin a perm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also do love the fact that it's like it's it's 
uh miles like and ashley like part of why ashley wants him to sell a bunch of stuff and make the money is so that they can put their son sean into like <laughs> into this like crazy private preschool that's supposed to like teach them like you know english and spanish <laughs> mm-hmm. and like all this kind of stuff like you know it's clearly them trying to like she's also trying to get their son you know like the idea of bettering yourself and, and better oh, absolutely the yeah uh, it's 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 so again it's so rich <laughs> because it is really is the way we all live right mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so because <laughs> because Colin's hair has been permed uh he does ask Val if she could uh come over and apparently she's the one who who will normally braid his hair so he <clears throat> he asks her to come over and like braid his hair uh so that he can you know have it all you know done by the time you get he goes to work the next day so yeah because he's trying to get him uh braided up again yeah is this where is this the day he meets up with uh with uh what's his, what's this dude's name uh ukarsh the guy from uh the guy from the daily show uh no that would be the next day that is the next oh, day okay. after this yeah <laughs> um so you know, during during this uh time that Val's doing his hair, they like kind of like I guess start to get into a little bit like why things changed for them. But at the same time, like clearly Val has like been studying for something. I mean, she's gonna work in some kind of criminal justice element, right? <clears throat> and uh so she's like practicing for for exams. And tells Colin that she has to study, so he's sitting there reading her like flashcards and stuff while she's doing his hair. And um, yeah, it's just like this, this, this. You get the feeling like you understand the relationship a lot. Like for as well-meaning as Val is, and I think she is like kind of like a source of good and probably something Colin would like to like. I think his, and I think even his mother tells him, you know, like. That, that her her thought was hey why don't you and Val like I thought you guys were going to go make your life together and it seems like it's a thing where it's like maybe they always thought that they were going to get together but it's but she's like you know Val is just I, I, the the whatever incident it was that sent him to jail is what drove some kind of irreversible like you know wedge between them Um, and even though we don't know exactly what it is yet I think one of the things I looking back on this movie now and especially since Val is someone that you don't really ever see in the series I think Mm -hmm. Val is probably a character that I don't like a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like I see she does seem very judgmental and for all the for as erratic as Miles is and I think he he even borders on on villain at times <laughs> on a sociopath. Yeah, like he and I and I do appreciate that the series definitely reins him back in, like to a massive degree in terms of like he's still very funny in the show, but he's mm. not as like actually dangerous to the people around him as he is here. Like mm-hmm. in this, he's way more of a ticking time bomb, and. um and like, despite the fact that you know, I I don't want to get too close to that character. I do think he is right. I, I think the fact that <clears throat> that Val basically disowns herself of Colin, and and I, I understand the frustration that Miles probably has. Like, you know, and that it's like Miles sees Colin for who he is, and even though there's a lot of things that he doesn't really understand yet, and I think that's going to become a theme later in the movie. 
I think he does. He sees Colin like for who he is. He and Ashley like don't judge him as harshly as Val does. I think just Val sees him as something that happened uh, as like as he she sees him as the criminal who did what he did that one night. And it seems like that's one thing that she can never get over. And I think that becomes a source of tension between them. Uh, in this, where even when it looks like it's getting kind of close, when she's braiding his hair, it, it ends up she ends up calling it a night. When she's done, leaves so they so that uh, Colin can get home uh, before curfew and makes it either just in time or just a little bit after curfew. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have thoughts on that. I'll push back on that, but I, I kind of want to wait till we talk about his actual crime too and kind of what happened. Sure, but well, it is interesting. We don't we don't have to go through the movie scene by scene. We could get into it if you'd like. Because nah, 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 it's, nah, it's fun. It's funner this way. <laughs> well, because no, honestly, we should get into it now. Um, if you well, I mean, what to... happens the next day? Is there anything big? It's just that. He sells, uh, like they sell more stuff. They find the boat, right? Oh yes, and the guy who he sells the boat to, uh, by the way, who seems like a completely nothing character, where they're sitting there like basically talking slang to each other. Mm-hmm. The guy who he's selling it to in the truck is in the series, and that's <laughs> funny. I I love I could I did not. I love that. Like now that I've seen the show, I was able to recognize that actor. And the character that he plays in the series is a guy named Cuddy. And mm-hmm. he is, it's so funny because he, like, in the series, he's, like, a bank manager. Mm-hmm. And he's also, like, he, like, does, like, a bunch of stuff. He He's in a bowling club. Like, and, and even... <laughs> Uh, even in one episode of the series, he's a member of the Black Kite Enthusiasts of Oakland. <laughs> I don't so... know why this reminds me of uh, Sorry to Bother You when, when Lakeith Stanfield's like chasing someone down the street and then, and then Mr. Fat pulls up and like calls him a bitch and they drive away and he just chases after them. <laughs> I don't know why like, those two scenes speak to me, <laughs> but I love I love the I love when they're negotiating like the price on the boat because it's like me personally I haven't heard half of those slangs. I have but heard the- a third of them, <laughs> but and I've only to, like- used about a third of them. But thanks to context clues, you can still kind of keep up because it's not yeah. really like well, like they're talking about selling a boat. Like it's not that hard. I do love that at the end of it, though, Colin even says, what did he say? And Miles goes, I have no idea, but I sold him the boat for 300. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and I think it's in, I think this day we find out, um, well, we don't find out, it's kind of already known, but, like, there's a job where they're supposed to send uh, Colin to Miles out to Walnut Creek, which is literally one county over. Mm-hmm. Like Angel, what would you say? Driving from Conquer, I mean Conquer to from uh, Oakland to Walnut Creek. That's well, like because I basically live there. I and I work in Oakland. It is a twenty-minute drive. It is about ten to twelve miles away, and you mm-hmm. have to. You basically have to go through a tunnel, mm-hmm. and it's far enough away that it's basically a different microclimate over here. So, so it's wild that. He can't leave twenty minutes from his home county. Even minutes, though, honestly, like, like it's if you get on the highway, like, uh, like around downtown Oakland, you can you can get to Walnut Creek in fifteen minutes with no traffic. Yeah, it's like, that's really close, thing. but it's also really far away. At the same time, I can't explain how that works. 
Yeah, like it's one of those, it's really interesting, and that's kind of like that dynamic that pops up, that because he's still on probation, he can't leave his home county. Yeah. So he has to stay in Alameda, can only do jobs essentially in Oakland. Um, He can't even go like somewhere 15 minutes away, which literally if you're a local, like it doesn't even feel like it's that far. But it's just kind of, kind of again, uh, based on the system they're in. Um, but yeah, this is the day where he actually runs into kind of an acquaintance, not really a friend, just someone that happened to be there at the moving shop. Um, but he's played by Ukarsh Ambudkar. Ambudkar, I, I know I butchered that. Oh. Um, but he's like, but he's an actor, a rapper. Uh, some people might remember him from like doing some segments in the Daily Show. He was in uh the newest barbershop movie. Yes. Um, but yeah, essentially he tells us the story as to what happened between Colin and Miles, and that, that that's that one night there was a hipster dude, uh, again with the hipsters, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's this hipster guy who orders a scorpion drink, which is an out very strong alcoholic beverage at this bar. Which has to be lit on fire for some reason. Uh, he walks in around the bar, takes it outside. We find out that at this point, uh, Colin is working as a bouncer at this bar, uh, with Miles kind of backing him up. And he tells the guy he can't drink the guy, he can't uh, drink that, he has to take it back inside. Uh, they kind of get in this all the confrontation where the guy starts throwing like. What I like to call minor coded racism at uh, Colin, <laughs> kind of calling him bro and my guy, and like yeah. shit that you know it feels if like you might as well have used the slur. <laughs> so, um, at this point, Miles is getting uh, angrier and angrier, which starts escalating the situation. Uh, a fight breaks out where essentially Miles and Colin jump, dude. And in a very like shitty turn of events, his pants catch on fire from the you know alcohol being spilled on him and the fire being spilled on him. But Miles continues to like beat the guy while he's on fire. Meanwhile, uh, Colin's trying to like let go of the dude, but at the same time, he's getting some hits in. Um, and this is where we kind of see that the guy did survive. But he was in the hospital, like, in a coma for, like, nine days. Mm-hmm. Um, We find out that Colin was the only one that got arrested from that incident, and that that's also the reason why him and Val broke up. Um, And I see, and, like, I get what, what people say. Like, I understand what Miles is saying, that she's very judgmental, um, and that a lot of people are are you know, they, they want to accept Colin for what he is or for who he is, you know? I think it's hard when it's, like, that level of violence, though. <laughs> even though, like, it was played up for comedic effect, and even though it's, like, for all intents and purposes, it's, like, it's told as a joke, right? The whole story's told kind of as a joke. But it also, it's, like, the revelation at the end that, you know, like, he, unfortunately as much potential as Colin has to be great, he, uh, unfortunately he lets himself get carried in away in the worst ways possible. 
So it's like I also understand where her situation where it's like I can't be around that kind of person or I can't be around someone that can't take themselves much more serious or take care of themselves. Um, It is it's a hard situation and it's kind of like where also the movie kind of gets soberingly real because, you know, up until now, it's a fun hangout movie. And you think Miles is uh, well? It's 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 kind of a hangout movie, and, but there's still like the police shooting that happened, and yeah, there's yeah, like, yeah. and they're like watching it on the news, like the details that are coming out. And I think the next night they like drive by, like you know the the area where it happened, and all of a sudden now they have like all these like like a visual setup and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. it, like that well, kind but, of stuff but, is happening. But what in I the mean background. about yeah, but what I mean about that is like mostly the relationship between. Colin and Miles is, you know, it's shown for a lot of, like, the positive there. But it's kind of, like, one of the first few times you start seeing, like, oh, no, Miles, Miles fucked up. <laughs> Miles yeah. really kind of set Colin up there without realizing it. Yes. And it's and it sucks that other people around that situation, around that relationship, understand that. I.e., going back to what you were saying, how Colin's mom gave the pamphlet to Colin so that he can give to Ashley so that Ashley can have the conversation with their kid because miles exists outside of that microcosm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, same thing here. It's like, because miles has never had to deal with the repercussions of being the guy that pops off. He doesn't understand how it affects people. You know, it's easier kind of to like to, to be judgmental in that sense. At least that's the way I saw it. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, and, and and I think uh, obviously I don't mean like to say I think I meant to say that like she. she I don't mean she that is you're not wrong as, and stupid. She's but... not as sympathetic to me, uh, but I do think that what you say makes absolute sense, and I do think that very often in situations you know with men who can be very violent men, we get in a position where we blame women who no longer want to be with them <laughs> for not wanting mm-hmm. to be with them. So I think your your description of this uh, just made me, you know, really think to myself, I don't want people to get the impression that I, <laughs> that, that I think, uh, you know, that, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. No, nah, she should have stuck by. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, Shiva? Um, nah, but it's crazy because the way the story is told, like, the guy's expecting to get dapped up or have like have it be funny, but Val and like Colin are completely like, okay, we gotta go. Like <laughs> it just kind of leaves them in a really shitty position, kind of reminding them that it's like there is a fundamental change in their relationship, and it's like as much as they want to go back, they probably can't. I think things that this uh, movie does that that are is something that will continue in the show as well. It's just kind of like breaks. Uh, in the movie to where like characters will have dreams um you'll see the scene of Colin running through the cemetery and he's like seeing like you know like the shooting in his head while he's running through the cemetery or when he's having the dream at night about how he's like in the in a courtroom um and how Miles is like part of the prosecution mm-hmm. and like he's going into like the spoken word rap and stuff like that that kind of stuff is in the series and there's a lot more of it in there and they even like incorporate stuff like interpretive dance in it and magical realism and stuff and i it, it, which is which is the things that you know we said we we thought was really good about sorry to bother you mm-hmm. and i think and i think the main way that 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 though that these two movies like 
connect is for some reason i don't know what it is but these like oakland creatives like just have this like great vision of inserting you know like this kind of magical realism into these existing spaces that we know and i think it's in the heightened reality of it is uh it's it's such a fascinating world to look at i know i love those spoken word pieces and i love like the 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 dream sequences because it does especially in a movie like this that's grounded in reality way more than sorry to bother you like this uh it adds more 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 weight to kind of what's going on and Mm -hmm. it's just it's it just looks cooler right i think it has more more of an impact because it's in such a grounded film Mm -hmm. um Honestly, I think uh, we can kind of get into a bit of what the climax of this movie is, really. I mean, um, it's kind of a multi-layered climax. <laughs> yes, there's uh, one of the you know guys that, that works at the moving company uh, has invited uh, Colin and Miles to a party that he that, that he's, I guess, having or attending. It's with somebody who like, I guess the, the host is is one of these like new new oakland types who lives in Mm -hmm. those like angular hideous gentrified homes (laughs) and they don't really seem to want to go but what ends up driving them to finally do it is uh (laughs) there's a scene where where miles and ashley are like dancing in the kitchen because he has sold the boat and he sold the flat irons and they had money and he's like throwing cash in the air (laughs) Mm -hmm. while she and him are like dancing in the kitchen and then you get like sean and colin in Sean the bedroom, being um, uh, playing. Sean being uh, Miles and Ashley's son. I don't think we ever said that. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a character that we hadn't really thought about, and uh, and in the series, I think be- I think because this actor, like obviously, like is older now, and because the series like took place shortly after the movie, even uh, they recast the the role of the son. He he's played by a different mm. actor. But uh, this actor who plays Sean in the movie actually does appear uh, as another character in the series. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's again it's another thing that's just kind of jarring to me was I, I didn't remember that it was a completely different actor who played the son. <laughs> no, wow, um, who the fuck is that? Yeah, um, but yeah, they're they're playing I guess like with Hot Wheels or something in the room, and mm-hmm. uh, then there's uh, Ashley mentions to Miles that that Sean and her picked out a shirt for him and it's that really like <laughs> form fitting I kind of w- I went through this too when I went through the through the phase <laughs> where where I was transitioning out of like extra big shirts and mm-hmm. I was transitioning into more form fitting t-shirts I had the same kind of like I thought I looked so weird like <laughs> thing where you I got like, such I... a weird complex about it it's so <laughs> hilarious it's so it's funny to see like miles like like hate it and i think it's really funny that like <laughs> and ashley comes in baby looks so good and colin just comes in baby you look so good <laughs> what was it look... it's like uh, kill your uh, local gentrifier or some shit like that yeah it's, it's, it's a uh, dope shirt that yeah, i don't know no, if it, i can wear <laughs> it's uh kill it kill a hipster save your hood i think it's what that's it what it was kill a hipster save your hood yeah <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, very then, very charged message, but but it's like I think because it's like a baby blue shirt and it's and it's very form fitting and small miles does not like it, but he keeps it on, and yeah, I think he wears it the rest of the night. I think it's funny that like yeah, it, it's it's almost again this movie gives you like allusions to like 
between the you know Colin drinking the ten dollar kale smoothie and like now like Miles like wearing the shirt and keeping the shirt on for the rest of the movie it's it's a thing it's the world around you is changing and you are kind of slowly changing with it mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then well Miles is kind of trying on this this shirt and everyone's watching it as they go back into the living room they get surprised by Sean holding and playing with the gun that um, Miles had bought earlier in the film and it's like the mood like I had to stop for a minute because I'm like is this another dream sequence or is this for real Mm -hmm. and then they like slowly try to surround come around Sean without scaring him because he's like looking into the barrel of the gun Yeah, and Colin gets close enough that he's able to snatch the gun away before the the boy is able to like shoot, you know, or fire the gun. Ashley comes running and picks him up, and this just leads to a huge argument between the three adults. Right. She, um, she asks uh, Colin if it's his gun, and Miles like wants him to say that it is so that he mm-hmm. can get off the hook. But uh, I, I think the conversation that he had with Val earlier, Colin's not about to do that. He basically says no. And that's when Ashley gets mad at both of them and basically mm-hmm. throws them both out of the house. Um, <laughs> and that's where they finally decide to go to this, like, you know, hipster party um, where, like, you know, they're, it's, you know, they're both obviously, like, not really, don't really love the people who are there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, you know, I, but there are, I guess, a couple people that they do know there. So it's again, those it's, are pretty much the people they're going to go hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get there right away. Miles is already looking for a reason to get mad. And I've been to parties with people like this where you've had, they've already had some shitty thing happen to them. So then they're just looking for a reason to pop off. And I can't tell you how miserable it is that you're just constantly got to apologize for them or you constantly got to, like, do these mental gymnastics to try to make it seem like they're not being the asshole. Um, So I was really related to Colin in the situation where you're just, like, trying to have a chill night. But there's one person. You know, it's kind of like when we went to Vegas and our cousin uh, got mad that the dude, that one dude called him a douchebag, so he started doing push-ups in the hotel room. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. I love that you chose to like just say this right now. <laughs> and we have like 30 cousins. Yeah. Tell people true. to know who it is. That's true. <laughs> Until I tell the story. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, like and like and like while he so like while he's there, Miles is just looking for reasons to get pissed. Like he finds that there's a Quick ways catering the the party. When he does eat a burger, it's another one of those impossible burgers. So he's getting pissed. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Colin goes and meets up with uh, with like the friends they were supposed to meet up with, and of course they make the joke about being the only three black people at the party. Um, and which leads to one of the guys who. Yeah, I get the impression the guy, that he doesn't know Miles that well. He, I don't think he knows Miles at all because he confuses yeah. Miles with one of like the random hipsters at the party. Yes. 
Yeah. And Miles has no idea. Because of the t-shirt, right? I think it's because of the t-shirt he was wearing. Yeah, because of the t-shirt he was wearing. Like, he assumes he's a transplant. Um, and Because there's that joke of the guy that came from, like, Oregon to live here in the Bay Area. And he's been here for, like, three years. And he already got the California State tattoo. <laughs> that tattoo, I think Rafael Cassell actually has that tattoo. Like, mm-hmm. that, that is a tattoo that he has. And you'll see it, like, in certain, like, images or certain shots. They bring that they do that joke again, uh, for another character. Um, for, for they'll do that joke again for another character. Oh, really? In the TV series, in, in, the, the, ser- in the TV series, yeah, the tattoo joke comes back with a completely different character. So, that's again, I love to see that that's something that continues. <laughs> yeah, so there's like this, uh, yeah, there's like this confrontation between the other guy and Miles where he's like yelling about how. He's yelling about how the quick ways and you know isn't the real place anymore, and all about all these gentrifiers. So when the guy goes back to Collins and his friend, like they're just laughing because they think it's one of these other transplants. Yeah. Until Colin realizes, oh no, you're talking about Miles. <laughs> yeah. But by the time he realizes, Miles' anger is kind of boil over. And they're, like, shoving and pushing each other, like, out the door. And I think he, like, punches them in the middle of the party and then tries to leave, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, uh, Colin tries to get him to leave. And then while they're outside and uh, Miles and uh, Colin start fighting or they start arguing, the guy comes back and they get in this full-on brawl just kicking the shit out of each other. And Miles bloodies this guy. Like, it is now... Mm -hmm. You're watching now Miles do the thing that Colin was kind of doing in the flashback. And then Miles pulls out the gun and starts, like, brandishing it to everyone and, like, in the party. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, outside, who are the party guests. And, and yeah, they basically get thrown out. And then that's the scene where Colin and Miles are, are, like, in the alley... And uh, Colin finally like confronts him and shoves him around. And I guess it starts with like an N-word thing, like you know, like where Colin is like telling him, "Hey, you know, say it, say it. the say it scene," where mm-hmm. he's like telling him to say it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I do think it's funny when Miles goes, "Miles, goes, I'm not gonna say." He was like, "He's like, you know, I don't say that." And then he goes, "He goes, yeah." He's like, "But I've called you that all of our lives. Like, why don't?" You know, like, why don't you, why don't you say it? <laughs> like, you know, why haven't you ever told me not to? And then he goes, you know, that's what you just called me that for my whole life. He's like, I'm not going to stop you now. Like, mm-hmm. like basically like not saying anything out of it. And I guess, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to interpret what it, what he's trying to say, like, you know, like, you know, incorrectly, but <clears throat> I think it's the idea is that they're like, you know, you're getting us into a bunch of like crazy stuff. And but like if for some reason everything that they do, kind of like what Val says, it sticks on Colin more than it sticks mm-hmm. on Miles. You know, like like why do you need to have the gun? Where he basically just calls him out. Why do you need to have the gun? Why did you need to do this? And it's just them getting into it. And and him finally kind of like waking Miles up a bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that's where he like just kind of you know gets on him like and i think he does probably feel what val like he does probably think about what val said where maybe miles only visited you because he felt guilty that you were the one who was arrested and he wasn't mm-hmm. you know but it's just i it's one of those things where it's like probably needs to be said 
Mm-hmm. And but it's like a, it's an argument between friends, right? Because even it's a rough next, scene because yeah. you think like, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you if it's been as dramatic for you, but you know, I've been through. I mean, we've all lost friends, or we've all had to leave friends behind sometimes, and sometimes it feels like a breakup, and it feels like this is kind of what's happening. Is you're seeing a breakup between friends. And it's yeah. and it's hard because you know it's one of those things where you hope you hope Miles is hearing Colin, and you're really hoping that he understands what that situation uh, was like for him because this is also not just like the repercussions that Miles' behavior has on Colin's life, but it's also the type of repercussions it can have on his son's life and on yes. his wife's life, you know, yes. um, which we saw earlier that night almost happen. <laughs> So it's it's a it's a really well done scene. These two are acting their asses off the yeah. entire time. Um, yeah. So it's it's it's. But the funny thing is, even after this fight, the very next day, you know, after Colin's probation is over, Colin gets back in the moving truck, goes to pick Miles up. <laughs> mm. They're right back at work again, and you know, kind of like, hey, it's like even when something like that happens, it's you do kind of just go go about your day like when it when when it happens the next day mm-hmm. but uh one of the moves that they have to do the next day turns out to be you know uh the house of the officer who killed the black man in the beginning of the movie uh that colin had seen and colin obviously has not gotten over what he saw like the trauma of what he saw so in the house when he as soon as they both find out like you know first colin finds out which house he's in he goes into, I guess it's basement, um, where I think where it's the, the garage. Yeah, mm-hmm. the garage where this officer is, and and that's where he like picks up the gun, starts pointing the gun at him. The cop. Well, he still has the gun from the night before. That's oh, something we didn't Miles talk about. Gun. That's right. That's right. Miles's gun gets handed over to Colin. Colin has the scene where he's walking down the street holding the gun. A mm-hmm. police officer almost pulls, looks like he's about to pull him over, like he shined the light on him and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like the tension in that is ridiculous. But uh, then the officer ends up just moving along. And um, so he still has the gun on him from the night before. That's right. And so when, the, when he get, accidentally gets the officer's attention... The officer tries to go for you know his gun, but uh Tom pulls out the revolver uh which isn't loaded because uh because at this point I think uh Miles shot the entire cylinder out uh the night before. So he has an unloaded gun holds it on this officer um and breaks out into a spoken word poem talking about everything from police brutality to gentrification um to just like systemic racism to just everything that's pretty much on this character's mind um talking about how you know he has to keep his cool while this officer can pull a gun out and be justified in murder and how you know he just you know he can end this officer can end Colin's life and Colin was just going to be another statistic or just another street hood story. Um, and, you know, while this, while this is going on, this is where, like you mentioned, where Miles, like, walks in and he realizes who, you know, whose house they're at. And then he, he tries to, he tries to, um, 
go stop Colin from doing anything anything uh crazy at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Would you think about that that final scene that or that final I guess climax? <laughs> it feels like there's three climaxes in this movie. Yeah. It's definitely I, I I don't know how I felt about it the first time I watched it. I think this time that I seen it, I I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a really interesting note to end it on. I mean, I think the the movie was going to have to end here at like, you know, with some kind of resolution on it because the shooting was kind of an ongoing theme in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though it is the part where it does feel kind of weird is because you're like, oh, okay, well, what's going to happen next with Colin? What's going to happen next with Miles? It, like, it does feel like it's it's abrupt and sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like, he at the end of the day, he pulled a, cop, you know, a gun on a cop. Mm-hmm. So that cop just didn't, either didn't report it because, you know, nothing came of it. But it's like... And that's why we're that's where it was like how much of that scene to me was a dream scene, how much of that was like the surrealism, how much of it was real, right? Yeah. But I mean at the end of the day, it was just about presenting kind of what like that theme was. Um and yeah, like the movie, you know, they end up getting in the back into the moving truck, they go back to Oakland and the movie ends with uh Miles and um Colin making peace. And when, when uh, in a theme I really appreciate ending in the boys talking about uh uh the Raiders impending move to Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> and how much Miles loves uh then quarterback Derek Carr. <laughs> Yeah, and there's yeah. a deleted scene, and I, I dare you, I, I, I think you should look it up. Uh, it's funny. It is funny, and but I know why it's not in the movie. I think, <clears throat> but, uh, but there is a scene that was cut from the movie, uh, that's on YouTube. You search for blind spotting 49ers, and there. Oh, is where the like, 49ers fan is. Yeah, uh, and he comes in like, right, and they're all yelling at him for wearing a 49ers <laughs> jacket. So there's that. Um, but yeah, no, that's the again. We're we're through the movie now. And uh, I guess before we get it, well, no, I guess the first thing we can do is is kind of go through how we feel about it. So, Javi, did you like blind spotting? Yeah, I like blind spotting. I thought it was, I thought it was for, I mean, it's it's, it's Barack Obama's favorite movie, twenty eighteen, for a reason. Yeah, just in case anyone <laughs> didn't know that, but. No, it's just like it deals with a lot of issues that are still happening to this day, and there's so like that we're still dealing with the fallout of as well, right? Uh, unfortunately, the techies did come in and they jacked the prices up to the point where no locals can really buy homes or property in this area, and so we just kind of got to live with what we got at this point. Um, and it's hard because being a local person, you do, and as you see these changes, you can't help but be happy for how, in some ways, yeah, it's great that these cities are changing and that they're modernizing and that there's like there, there's beauty to it. But at the same time, you can't help but like feel the heartache of losing some, a piece of yourself in some something that that contributed to the making of you. And while change isn't necessarily a bad thing who that changes for also needs to be discussed. And I think this movie does a really good job of talking about how that change impacts those people um, that originally were here. 
Like I love Colin. I love Colin's mom's attitude, and I feel like that's kind of the attitude we all as locals in the Bay Area need to have. Is why why am I going to move now that there's good food or good restaurants or good places to eat if you can afford it? Yes, if you can afford it. But I'm like absolutely. That's kind of like the attitude we should have is kind of fight for our home if possible. Because, yeah, these places were meant to attract other people, but why shouldn't we enjoy our homes as well, you know, and enjoy the culture that we've created here? And Um, to remember that there are places that there are, like, organizations out there, uh, activists out here that are trying to keep people from being displaced as well uh, mm -hmm. due to, you know, in in ways where there are, like, lots of other problems where people are either getting evicted so that uh, homeowners can sell you know, for higher, uh, for higher prices, you know, or people may be getting, you know, tr- forced out of their homes by kind of these larger real estate companies and, and yeah, just, uh, that kind of stuff. Like be, be no, you know, look, look for people in the areas that you live that, that can be there to also advocate for you if you need it. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, and, like the issues around um, police brutality and systemic racism, and that, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Unfortunately, but it is in, not. It's, 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 yeah, it's kind of embedded in our culture. It's as American as baseball, unfortunately. It's the, um, the first movie in this series dealt with it head on directly in a very grim way. Mm-hmm. And every other movie that we've reviewed since has dealt with it in some way. <laughs> And so like I think it's been an awesome yeah. theme. Yeah, and and unfor- but it's like of course it's it makes sense it's an ongoing theme in a place like Oakland where it's like that's been a part of the history not just not just unfortunately like the murder but the murder aspect but also for the 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 counter movement, you know. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the defund the police or whether it's Black Lives Matter, it's like a lot of that part a lot of that stuff Oakland has been a big part of unfortunately to the point where there has been violence in the streets of oakland as recent as 2021 you know 2022 like people people in oakland you know way back in the beginning of this series i talked about how oakland is you know this industrious rough and tumble town across from the you know jewel by the bay i mean it's people are just just as much like that you know um so it's it's blind spotting is a good celebration of not just the the not just the city of Oakland but the people of Oakland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I appreciated it. I'm glad. I'm glad things are going well for the creators. I'm glad that they got a show. Hey, anyone from the Bay doing good? We you know we happy to see that. Yeah. So uh, I definitely liked the movie. I I really <laughs> did enjoy it. I was very glad to come back and watch it again. And honestly, I was very glad to come and see it after having seen the sequel series to just see like what what lined up and what didn't. And it is really like I'm impressed with with how with, with how again, it, even though there it, it is, it's a little obviously it's going to retcon a few things like that's just how that works. But uh, for the most part, it's pretty well connected. And I think before we close this episode, I, I do, you know, for anyone who's interested, I can give a, a, a brief little description of what happens after this movie. Um, the character of Colin, at least up until this point, has not appeared in the series. Uh, the series, as I mentioned, does revolve around Ashley, played by Jasmine Cephas Jones. Um, 
it deals with and this isn't like this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer for the series but uh the first episode starts with miles going to prison um and and he's going to be there for a while so uh in the series you know ashley and her son sean end up having to move in uh with miles's family um basically his mother and sister his mother who's play, who who's played by uh you know I, I think what i most remember her for is her role in twister helen hunt <laughs> the great helen hunt and <laughs> nice. uh and his uh you know sister trish who has a very combative relationship with ashley and I, but i do think it's just like one of the funniest characters in the series and and the series like again it it takes these like characters who are side characters puts them in the front um and pushes like the characters in the movie to the side so it feels different it has it has a flavor of its own but like i said i think what it does carry over from the movie is this kind of like interesting like just how it's able to balance so many tones it's so impressive it is such a feat i i think it's incredible that the movie does it like so well in just a short amount of time that the movie does uh but the series continues to do it as well there's a lot of like uh and, and especially season two now that they're in because the budget has gotten bigger so they're like in different places now they'll they'll be like in santa cruz for an episode they'll be <laughs> in like certain parts of oakland for one episode and and it's like you can tell that you know it's got it's got more they've got more money to work with now um and it, yeah it, it, they deal with the themes of you know hey what what's actually going to do as like a single mother now you know even though like obviously she's still with miles but what's she going to do as a mother who doesn't have her partner there with her uh and, and what is she going to do raising her son who now has a father who's in the system right mm-hmm. um and the only thing we really find out about Colin in the series is that apparently uh, after the events of this movie, he has moved to Montana. Uh, what you don't know, but what, what the series actually doesn't tell you at all is whether Val goes with him or not. <laughs> all mm. you know is that Val is not in the series. Uh, they don't really make reference to her. Uh, and then, I mean, outside of like, the fact that you know that that Colin and Miles were friends, and the fact that that Nancy Colin's mother is their next door neighbor, and that Janelle Colin's sister is one of like the main characters in the cast, like mm-hmm. it, they don't they don't really the the focus has completely shifted, and I I think it's a really great series. It is really funny, and I recommend it to absolutely everyone. If you even kind of enjoyed this movie you're going to love the series. I think it's really good. So um, that's it for this episode, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> we'd like to thank you guys for joining us uh, for the show. Uh, thank you for continuing to follow us with all the continuing scheduling changes that we've been having. Um, and hopefully we are now approaching a spot where we're not going to be working on such a frenetic uh, schedule, but Again, we appreciate you guys continuing to follow us. Um, and I'm really glad that we are continuing this this long-ass series. <laughs> uh, next week, we are going to be watching the... Uh... Oh my god, we're only halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Next week, we're watching the uh, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill film, uh, Moneyball, which is going to be 
you know, again, it, it's 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 a movie that revolves around Oakland, but specifically a movie that revolves around the Oakland A's. And I'm curious as to what we're going to talk about next week, too, given some of the current uh, things with the Oakland A's, as well as this movie, which, oh. dude, this movie, one of my friends, Jose, friend of the show, has been trying to get me to watch this movie for years and years and years and years. And for some reason, I've never gotten around to it. So the very first time that I'm going to watch this movie is for next week's episode. So uh, it's cool. I actually I have a bunch of friends that were um, that are extras in this movie because they would show up to like cast days just for um, just to be in the crowd. Nice. Like when when they would record at the call uh, or when they would uh, yeah when they would show up and they would film at the Coliseum and they needed people in the stands. Like I have a bunch of friends that went from Cal State East Bay and from my fraternity. Nice. So I'll right, be so, looking for my letters. So awesome! Please continue to interact with us on social media on our Instagram page. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us ratings on Apple Podcasts. Rate the show on Spotify if you can. And uh, you know, let let your friends know about the show. Try to help us get more, you know, awareness around the show. And any reviews that you leave us on Apple Podcasts or ratings automatically helps to get the show, like you know, to a place where more people are seeing it. So, and um, leave us suggestions as well. We'll be working on through a backlog of what some of y'all have suggested for us. Yeah. So we're very glad to have done this episode can't wait to come back and talk moneyball and uh thanks for joining us we'll talk to you guys next time later y'all